I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. of work to do to narrow down exactly where this is from but this is definitely Klingon music and I'm pretty darn sure it's from a TOS movie <laughs> yeah yeah you've got you've got it narrowed down all right <laughs> <laughs> but which one hmm. um we've already established that I completely forgot that there were Klingons in the motion picture mm -hmm. um Something is making me want to say it's in, from Star Trek VI, but I don't know whether that's just because it's a very Klingon-focused movie and would have lots of opportunity for that mu music to show up. Well, don't forget that music was in the motion picture, too. It was, yeah. But it, it was a very prominent um, Klingon theme. Like if I if I were to think of Klingon music, that is what would pop into my head. And speaking of things popping into my head, was a weird <laughs> transition. But um, Ty has joined us and he's managed to get all tangled up in my headphone cord. So um. Okay, I was wondering what all that ruckus was. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> we were talking earlier about how Ty is not a very coordinated cat, um, and he just tried to walk between me and the microphone like he just did again, um, and then, uh, you know, so I tried to move him out of the way, and he hooked himself under the headphone cord, and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff that he gets up to. You know, I took some pictures of him while we were chatting a few <laughs> minutes ago, because he was, you know, right in the camera. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to send send those to you, and then you can put them up on Instagram. Yeah. So so people can see what it looks like. Let let everybody uh, see the great interruption that is James Tiberius Cat. Yeah. Okay. So back to Klingon music. Which original series movie was that in? I'm gonna go ahead and guess it was in the Search for Spock. Okay, I was expecting you to say six, Star Trek six. <laughs> it's not in Search for Spock. Okay. Well, maybe it would be Star Trek six then. Maybe, but it's not. <laughs> uh, is it indeed from the motion picture? Indeed, it is not. <laughs> wow. I narrowed it down and then promptly just messed it all up. Are there Klingons in Star Trek 3? Yes. Yes, I believe that's actually the one that Christopher Lloyd is in. Okay. okay well, I think so there were Klingons in all of the movies then, right? Well, I'm trying to think if they were in 4 or if they just had the Klingon ship in 4. Hmm. So then I'm trying to think of Star Trek 5 if they were in that or if they were in 2. 2, of course, is focused on Khan. Um, but that doesn't mean there can't be Klingons in it. Was it in Star Trek V? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally got there. <laughs> That's um, not from in the movie, but it's the end credits, actually. Oh, really? Of that movie. So hmm. I'm sure it probably is in the movie somewhere, but that's not where I got that clip from. So Yeah. All right, well... Thanks for joining us today, guys. We are going to be talking about uh, Enterprise, as you can tell from the title of this episode. Um, we're going to be discussing the episode Strange New Worlds, which is the fourth episode. I don't know. When's the last time we watched Enterprise? Was it like two months ago at this point? Three months ago? Oh, at least. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, all of the uh, coronavirus stuff kind of delayed things for a bit, and... 
it was great getting back to Enterprise finally. Hopefully we'll get back on schedule with everything. Also, once again, if you haven't noticed, Megan is not with us yet again today. Um, She Mm. is doing better from her wisdom teeth, but she's in the middle of moving and her microphone is packed up in a box right now. So (laughs) uh, she can't exactly record. And so uh, Aaron and I are going to hold down the fort. We'll try anyway. We definitely miss having her. That's for sure. It's a lot more fun with three of us. Yeah. A little bit more lively discussion. Well, I guess... Before we get um, into our quiz, we're going to do our little What Did You Think segment about this episode. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Aaron, do you want to go first or me? Um, I'll go first. Um, Once again, enjoying Enterprise uh, a lot more than I thought I would years ago, you know, when it was first coming out, I wasn't all that interested. And then over the years had several people recommend it to me. And now I'm glad I'm finally getting around to watching it because um, it's very different from a lot of other Star Trek, but you see kind of where they're building the foundation of what we call Star Trek. And this episode, you know, it used a lot of things that we've come to to know from Star Trek, where it, it presents our characters with um, an unknown and they venture into it. And then, of course, the unknown comes around and, and shows a, a side of it that they weren't expecting. It was a very good episode that way. I thought the actors particularly the the main ones down on the planet did a great job with the situation they were presented with and uh, really enjoyed the story. I agree. I once again enjoyed this episode and I'm surprisingly really enjoying Enterprise. Um, yeah, this episode, I mean, not a huge epic story, but I think it's interesting the way that they handled it. I like that it wasn't predictable um, Mm. in the beginning. Like At first, they kind of fooled me into thinking there were aliens on the planet. I thought, okay, well, they're going to have the first contact situation here, but they didn't do that. And so I kind of liked that about this episode. And I also thought the acting was good as well. A lot of elements of classic Star Trek in it. And yes, you can see the uh, evolution of Starfleet and, you know, protocol and all of that stuff as they're just kind of figuring it out for the first time on this mission. Uh, I really liked the contrast of Paul and the crew and so forth. So we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, also really enjoyed this episode. So without further ado, let's get into our quiz and find out which one of us was paying closer attention. <laughs> As our uh, new rule goes, I spin to see who goes first. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, you get to do the honors. All right. So first question. Um, While they're landing on the planet, um, the human crew is very excited and T'Pol just gets right down to studying the place. And uh, Archer tells her to just enjoy the moment and everything. And T'Pol mentions how many Class M planets she's visited. How many was it? 36. That is correct. I have a good feeling I'm going to do better this time than last time. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. All right. Now, um, before they went down to the planet, T'Pol mentions the Vulcan uh, protocols for uh, exploring a new planet. Their first step is sending a probe down. Their next step is doing what? Mm, I thought you might ask something about this. <laughs> Some kind of analysis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. like Something like a spectrographical analysis or something like that. I know that's not right. Mm. It was a geophysical survey from orbit. Okay. 
Yeah, I had a feeling I should have written something like that down, but I didn't, so. Mm. All right. Okay, so that was two questions. When they were down on the planet and they were sitting around the campfire, uh, something caused them to realize a storm was coming. Uh, what did Cutler mention as an indication something had changed? That the fireflies had left. That's exactly right. By the way, do you guys do you guys have fireflies in Canada? Yes, we do. So they don't exist out in California as, as much as I've seen. Really? Yeah. Hmm. They're everywhere here in Tennessee, but yeah. California, I never saw one. It was interesting. I wonder if they're more of a damp climate insect and therefore not really around in the, the drier climate. If any of you guys listening know, write <laughs> yeah. in and let us know. Exactly. When uh, Archer is landing on the planet in the shuttle pod, um, they damaged part of the, the pod on a rock outcropping. What exactly was taken out? Another one of those that... I should have written down, but didn't. <laughs> they were leaking plasma coolant. What leaks plasma coolant? Was it, I don't know, one of their engines or something like that? Yes. Um, it's a specific type of engine. I'll give you that. I guess not, not necessarily engine. Sorry, that probably is more misleading than <laughs> <Okay>. helpful. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll be sitting here for five minutes thinking about that. Thruster number four was taken out. Oh, okay. Um, Archer brings up a story of when he and Trip were on a training exercise, and something was causing him to uh, lose control of his senses. What condition was he suffering? Um, he was suffering from nitrogen narcosis. That is correct. All right. Okay, well, I got three. That's better than the one I got last time, so <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Aaron, are you ready? I hope so. Uh, question number one. At the beginning of the episode, Cutler is reading a book. Mm -hmm. What is the title of the section that she's reading? Well, the, the big title on the top is Termites of Laracus Prime. Okay, um, that's what I was... That's okay. what I was going for. Yep. Okay. I did write down a lot of stuff from just that page. <laughs> okay. So uh, there there was a kind of a um, division title at the top and things like that. And I didn't write it down for some reason, but uh, I was I was afraid that was the one you were asking for. <laughs> well, I couldn't really make out the other one, so. Hmm. I actually stood up and went next to the TV and <laughs> I read that whole first page. And it's actually quite interesting. Uh, they put really? some neat information in there. Was it um, like actual scientific information or were they just making up stuff? It, it was uh, it was Star Trek related. So it's um, future science. Okay. So they actually took the time to write legit stuff. It wasn't them writing oh, yeah. just like ridiculous stuff like they do sometimes. No, it, it was really interesting. Um, uh, there, there was stuff in there about, you know, studying the, the history of um, the evolution of different species on different planets and the Hodgkin's Law of Parallel Planetary Development and why uh, certain types of things seem to develop on different planets very similarly. And so, like, why are there termites on Laracus Prime that look very similar to Earth termites and, and that sort of thing? That was very cool, Good actually. lord. I'm glad you didn't ask me any questions from that page. <laughs> I, I briefly contemplated it, um, but the only thing I had marked as a, a real question was the one that you asked me, which was, what was the title of the, the section? Okay, because I could not make out anything, really. Mm. Uh, I don't know why. My image was too blurry to see it, so. Hmm. Maybe CBS All Access has different quality than could. whatever you were watching. I don't know. I was on Netflix, so uh, yeah. who knows? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you were able to digest all of that. You're the perfect person for it, because that's the type of stuff that you study in school. So, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. On that same page, there mm -hmm. are some pictures of termites. Mm -hmm. 
What color was the third set? I didn't write this down, but I'm trying to picture it. And I think they were red. Oh, no. They're not red. Uh, they were blue. Okay. The top ones were red, and then you had the second ones were some strange kind of peachy mm. peachy rose color, and then you had blue right below that, and then gray and black. Oh, okay. So. See, I, in picturing it in my mind, I, I, I had the gray at the top. Uh, what does the M and M-class planet stand for? That would be Mentara class. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. It's not Mentara. I don't think unless the subtitles were wrong. That's what it sounded like. I, I wasn't able to, okay. to turn the subtitles on. So I I haven't been... I've just been spelling them phonetically. So that's what I have. Like Mentara, Mentiara, or something like that. It's actually Minshara with an SH in the middle yeah. instead of a T. Okay. I, I just looked it up on Memory Alpha, and it is Minshara. Hmm. I'll tell you what. I will... I'll give you a point on that one because you basically had it if you'd been able to see the subtitles. I probably would have thought it was Mentara as well. Yeah. If I didn't have the subtitles on, so... Uh, when they landed on the planet the first time, mm -hmm. what number was the shuttle pod? It was number one. That's right. When they were sitting around the campfire telling ghost stories, how many of them were drinking? I don't think I really even noticed that they were actually drinking. I know they were hold some of them were holding things. Two of them were Oops, I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my guess, but um, I'll, I'll let okay. you uh, do a different question, maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, that's one of those sitcom slip-ups right there mm. uh, when they're sitting around the campfire mm -hmm. uh, Cutler points something points out where the sun is in the sky where exactly is it located um, it was in a trinary cluster no 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 you're off a little bit okay <laughs> She did point out a trinary cluster, but the sun was not in the trinary cluster. Oh. Yes, yeah, I did. It was to the left of it. Oh. Yeah, I, I must have missed that because uh, I, I was trying to figure out how our sun was in a trinary cluster. Yeah. <laughs> so we are tied. That's right. This hasn't ever happened before. I, I was trying to just trying to remember if it had happened before or not, but... Uh, no, I think that's pretty cool. All right, well, congratulations to both of us, I guess. Yeah. I almost forgot what fresh air smells like. The atmosphere contains trace elements of nitrogen dioxide, chloromethane. Put that thing away. Take a minute to enjoy yourself. Sky ever get this blue on Vulcan? Occasionally. We're walking on an alien world, light years from Earth or Vulcan. Doesn't that impress you? I've been to 36 Menshaw-class planets. This experience is only marginally different. Well, I guess we'll get into the episode discussion. Again, no formal order or anything like that. I'll just come out and say, were Cutler and... Was it Nova... Novakovic. Novakovic. Where did they come from? I don't remember them being in the previous two episodes. I don't either. And so... I think they were just introduced in this episode. Um, I did think it was interesting kind of highlighting them and then trickling out information about them, even, including their names, because they were very clearly going to be part of this episode by the way they started off focusing on them. And then, you know, we don't get their names until halfway through the episode. So, uh, and then when we do get their names, we don't know which one's which. And so, yeah. yeah, it was very interesting that way. Well, the way they focused on them was how they usually do with the regular cast. So yeah. I thought they, that was really odd. And then I didn't know, well, are they just going to kill these guys off? Or apparently, I mean, since they didn't die, we're probably going to get more of them in the episodes to come. But I don't, I mean, I've never seen them really included in the cast for Enterprise, so I'm assuming they're kind of like 
maybe O'Brien type characters that show up every once in a while. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Of course, I went more with a, a Voyager comparison with um, Ensign Wildman, who shows up multiple times and has some some focus moments and things. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're probably right there, although we'll have to see as we watch more of the series. I will have to say I really liked Cutler. Yeah. She seemed like a really interesting character, so I hope she shows up more. Yeah. Although I did find it funny that she's an entomologist. She, she, you know, she's studying the termites at the beginning. She mentions the fireflies later, and yet she's annoyed by the fireflies. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's not that different from you and dogs. I suppose that's true. For anybody who doesn't know, Aaron doesn't like dogs. <laughs> I yes, Jesus. I I am an animal person with a biology background, and I work at a zoo, and I work with snakes and rats and all kinds of things. I'm not particularly fond of of insects, but I I have worked with them. But yeah, I, I'm not very fond of dogs. Yeah, so like fireflies swarming around her face. For her is like a dog licking you for you that that's a good way to put it i guess that no. explains that yeah <laughs> that's true no i i agree with you that i did like these characters especially cutler um i think it's interesting to really focus on kind of the scientific mission of the enterprise you know going out there and exploring these planets and you know we had the slug that they brought on board in one episode and now we get an entomologist being selected for the away mission because of her expertise and things like that so i i think it's really a neat way to um zero in on that aspect of starfleet i'm glad that they didn't remove any wildlife though this time from the planet yeah. <laughs> at least they restrain themselves from that well actually we don't necessarily know that because she did take sterilized specimen bottles with her oh that's true that's true but whether they got the chance to take anything i'm not sure yeah i don't know because they got all screwed up with the windstorm and everything so who knows what they still had with them by yeah. the end of it but i wondered if perhaps like we we don't we aren't told what Novakovich's specialty is, but I wondered where he was standing in a field of, of plants and he picked up a flower. I wonder if maybe he was a botanist. Maybe. It's really interesting that they didn't choose to give us more info about his character, but they told us a decent amount about Cutler. Mm. Yeah, I kind of felt like he was going to be the red shirt on this mission. They they were good. He was going to be one that they sacrifice. Yeah. You know, which he kind of was. Yeah, he, he was as close to it as we got. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I wasn't as intrigued by his character mm. for whatever reason. He didn't come off as, um, I don't know, maybe it's just because they didn't tell us very much about him. So, yeah. I did wonder, though, like we find out through the towards the tail end of this uh, episode that the um, the pollen from plants around there was what was causing them to hallucinate and everything. And Novakovich was the first one to show symptoms. You know, he had a headache and, and went to lay down and was, as far as we know, the only one who picked up um, a flower and held it to his nose and, and smelled it. So whether he got the, a stronger dose of the pollen or just got it more quickly, uh, that I, I kind of thought that was a neat touch. Yeah, I didn't notice that. But yeah, that is a nice little something that you would notice the second time through watching it, probably. Mm. You know, of course, you notice it the first time, but well, only because I was sitting and taking notes on things but yeah well i was too but i didn't notice that i tell you what my favorite shot though in this whole thing was the pullback that they had with porthos as he shot out of the <laughs> shuttle i thought that was the cutest thing ever <laughs> and i loved it I also liked the the little tongue in cheek line of uh, you know going where no dog has gone before. Yeah, 
<laughs> I didn't expect him to take Porthos down to the planet. I guess yeah. on some sense, on some level, it makes sense. But I think as a dog owner, I would have been a little nervous about taking a beagle of all breeds um, yeah. on a on a planet, on an alien planet. You don't know what's there. Yeah, I was thinking at very least he would have a leash on him. Because I own a beagle and anybody who owns beagles know that they don't listen to you. They just go where their nose tells them to go. So <laughs> it's a miracle that that dog came back when he whistled for it. Yeah. But I would have been nervous that he would have eaten something or there would have been some sort of danger that he would have gotten into. You know, wanted to make sure that the water he drank in the stream was okay and all of that stuff. Because they yeah. don't really know exactly. I mean, it kind of looks like Earth. It actually looks like Malibu Creek Canyon in Southern California. But um, <laughs> it looks like Earth. But who's to say that is, you know, some of the chemical compounds and stuff aren't different, you yeah. know, from what we have on Earth? Well, and in a sense, we do find out that that is the case. Because even after they discovered that the pollen was causing them to hallucinate and everything. Um, even with a patient in sickbay, Phlox didn't fully realize that this was not just dangerous, it was toxic and they could die. So uh, there was definitely stuff going on that, that could have been unknown. So do you think that that's really dumb then of them to do that? Because, I mean, you and I aren't Starfleet officers, but I feel like I'm smart enough to not just land on an alien planet and hope that everything's okay, you know, without knowing what's there. Yeah. Well, there there were a couple of moments in this that I wrote down as um, really strange. First of all, when, you know, the wind picks up and they, they end up going into the cave and they realize, oh, wait, did it, who grabbed the, the food packs? And they realize, oh, you know, we, we left it at the campsite. Okay, are you expecting to be down there for weeks? Like, are you going to starve overnight? You have to send one guy out by himself into a dangerous windstorm to yeah. get your food? <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was like, he has to, I mean, he has to go half a kilometer. Yeah. You know, that's not like just right outside the cave. You know, I would have totally taken somebody else with me yeah. in that situation. I don't know. Maybe then, the food packs were like an emergency thing. Like maybe there's protocol for them to have that. I suppose. But yeah, I, I think I would have weighed the the danger versus the necessity there and uh, probably would have said, oh, well, you know, we're not going to starve. So we're fine. Well, what were they going to eat, though? Well, I mean... They're not thinking that it's going to be, you know, days and days that they're going to be in this cave, I'm assuming. so. Well, uh, does the food pack have to last? I mean, it wasn't that big. No. I, thought, I thought that that was just food for them to eat like that night and then maybe in the morning or something. Yeah, exactly. But to me, I would go, okay, well, I'd rather just be a little bit hungry until morning than send somebody out into the storm. Oh, and I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so I, I thought the same kind of thing when they, they brought up water as well. Like, oh, we're running low on water and, and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, yes, T'Pol mentions, well, I can go several days without water. Can you? And that sort of thing. But again, are you expecting to be in the cave for several days? Well, I mean, the storm was unpredictable. I don't know. Maybe they didn't know when things would calm down. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought they, they were in contact enough with the ship. You know, they weren't cut off from that. And you know, the Enterprise was able to see how big the, the system was and how fast it was moving and everything. I don't know. I just found it um, less of an imminent danger than, than they were uh, making it out to be. Although I did wonder if Travis mentioned the water as a distraction because, you know, at that point, you know, Trip was really laying into T'Pol a bit, and then Travis mentions the water. It seemed to break that tension a little bit. Uh, that certainly could be it. Although I didn't think about about it that way, but I can see your, I can definitely see your point with all of that. I mean, if it was just going to be a storm that blew over in a couple of hours, then I probably, I don't know. I mean, would it have 
blown the food pack away to where they couldn't find it. I mean, I guess by then it probably would have already done that anyway, but yeah, I don't know. I guess they were, you know, when you're scared and in that situation, you don't know what's going on. You just feel more secure having your food and water with you, I guess. Yeah, I, don't I know. suppose. <laughs> I also did think it was interesting that we got these mentions of the Starfleet training that they had gone through. Um, you know, different survival situations. And we even get them mentioning um, going through a, a training that included a simulation of, of mind-altering um, substances and stuff like that, which, you know, those are the sorts of things that, that militaries do today or have done historically is, you know, you have to feel what it's like to get pepper sprayed and, and all that sort of thing. So I, I thought it was neat that they put that detail in there. Yeah, I had caught that too. It makes me want to know more about what kind of training they go through because this is prior to Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Right? So I guess it's more akin to just what we would think of basic training being with the military is maybe it's just like two or three months they go through this basic training of whatever Starfleet thinks they should know mm. traveling around out there. I don't know. Maybe they'll reveal more about that as the series goes on, but that is interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, and it makes me really interested to see if we do get this Starfleet Academy series that has kind of been possibly teased. I would love it. I've always been inter interested in Starfleet Academy it was like my dream when I was a kid. I wanted to go to Starfleet Academy. <laughs> um, it just seems like a fun thing to do. But I don't know. I haven't really heard anything about it lately. Yeah. So, But I totally give it a shot if they made it. So. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny that baseball caps were still in style <laughs> in 22, whatever this is. Yeah. Uh, not only in style, but in use as part of their uniform, it seemed. Well, yeah, with their big logo on the top. The yeah. Next one. <laughs> yeah. I know you can get that actual ball cap, so um, I don't know that I've oh, ever I'm seen sure anybody wearing it, yeah. one, but uh, yeah. you, you can get them. And what you think about that, like, 2001 point-and-shoot camera that <laughs> Trip Tucker is using? <laughs> yeah, that, that was interesting, too. Um, I briefly considered trying to see if there was a, a brand name on it or anything but uh i i didn't try <laughs> it looks like they have modified it slightly you know to try and make it look a little bit more futuristic but it's still i mean looking back on it now where we all have you know our iphones and you know samsung's that take pictures easily it's just hard to picture what a camera that we would have used 15 years ago um mm you know, still in use 200 years from now. So yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. I also found it interesting that, you know, Topol is taking her own measurements on her um, Vulcan equipment and everything, but I didn't really notice the Starfleet officers using scanners and that sort of thing very much. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed whether they were or if they were all just looking around. I thought that one of them was using a tricorder. Yeah. Like in the group that split off with Archer and, um, shoot, what's his name? Young guy's name? Travis. Travis, yeah. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought one of them had a tricorder, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe they're it's, just, it's possible. Maybe they're just walking around. Yeah. Archer didn't seem that interested in using one, so. No. He he was very much just into the experience of being on a new planet that's so much like home. That's very interesting because that's not something that in later versions of Star Trek any captain would do. You know, yeah. they, I mean, they would be they would be excited, but they would also have their officers with their tricorders out scanning oh, everything. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, he didn't seem to care. He actually even told to Paul to put it away. Mm. You know. So I thought there's a very different attitude. And again, that's just one of those things that we see in this series of them not really having protocol in place yet for things. Yeah. They're just kind of winging it. Yeah. And 
especially with Archer. He's he seems very much about experiencing things and feeling whatever emotion it brings up. Um, but you know, he's he's also very observant and very people focused. So it, it's just a, a different style of captain than than we're used to. Right. We kind of talked last time about we were comparing him to the different captains and you really can't do that because no. he, he's got his own thing going on and I like it. You know, it's just that I, I wonder if we're going to see the progression of him getting a little bit more cautious as this, the series goes on and they start getting themselves into more scrapes mm. and stuff like that. If he's going to be a little less cavalier about stuff like that, and start kind of introducing slowly some protocol, you know, for away teams and that sort of thing. That's that's the kind of stuff that I'm going to be interested in watching this series. Yeah. Another character that um, we saw a little extra side of this time was, I, I thought, Phlox. Um, I thought it was very interesting to see when it looked like Novakovic might die. He was incredibly impacted by the fact that he failed um or he thought he had failed uh so like we've we've seen before when he reacted to you know the dying slug he was like oh so what it's a slug you know but he's very very affected by the potential of a person dying right and i i think part of that is also just He's disappointed in himself as well for not catching or not thinking about that, even though he says, well, there's no reason I should have. But, you know, I think he's also chastising himself to a certain extent with that. Mm. And again, that's one of those things with this series is you got all of these first encounters that are happening, all of these things that they didn't think about that they're going to have to start thinking about in the future. You know, well, this was an alien compound you know what if there's something different about it than what we already know yeah. and I, th I think that's something that you you'll see in the later series is the doctors don't just assume you know they really study whatever it is to you know figure out all of the components and so he doesn't have that protocol in place and so again you know archer next time they go on away team maybe they'll analyze things a little bit more Maybe Phlox will start thinking a little bit more outside the box with the way he approaches medicine and so forth. So that's what that's, that's the interesting thing about this series is that um, we're we're getting to see the evolution of what led to later things that we're mm. more familiar with in Star Trek. So it's like watching history unfold, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost to me seems like they're the writers had to reverse engineer everything and then kind of start at the beginning and show the process of coming up to where we're expecting things to go chronologically. So yeah, it's, it's a neat perspective. Um, you know, it's a, sometimes it's, it's kind of a joke when you say something's a prequel or something like that. But I think, enterprise from what i've seen so far is that concept done right yeah and i didn't think about it from the writing perspective but that's right they did have to kind of reverse engineer things and i'm wondering if that was easy or hard for mm. them to do that you know it was probably fun because my guess is i have to go back and look but my guess is they took a lot of or some writers that were on the other series and put them on Enterprise because they were already familiar with Star Trek or whatever. I could be wrong about that. Mm. But having to approach Star Trek stories from a different way almost, you know, because they're having to reverse engineer that stuff. Now, this was, I think, a classic sci-fi slash Star Trek story. Oh, yeah. Kind of with the Hulu. I mean, obviously, this is the second episode in a row we've watched with hallucinations, actually. <laughs> So it's something that, you know, we we get every once in a while with Star Trek. Um, yeah. I, I Like I said at the, at the beginning, I really liked that that's what it was. And it wasn't 
this weird alien that they had to encounter. I definitely had multiple different possibilities come up um, of ideas of what could be going on. So like I had wondered if maybe the the bug that was in Tripp's um, sleeping bag, like if it bit him and then duplicated him or, you know, then we, we get to see him hallucinating the, the creature coming out of the rock. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that actually is, that's the reveal of what's going on and that sort of thing. So they really gave you a lot of, um, fuel for your own imagination to come up with what's going on before they gave you the real answer. Right. They tried to fake you out a few times yeah. with with what could possibly be causing this. I thought the scorpion thing also was pretty funny in the tent. I, I yeah. liked that that they did the point of view of T'Pol looking into their tent and just <laughs> yes. them like, like, you know, freaking out. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I for some reason though, because Travis was the first person that we saw hallucinate. I thought, for whatever reason, I guess the first thought was there's somebody actually there. Yes, but there was something about the images that they were showing that made me think eh, maybe it's a hallucination. Like right after that, because mm. it looks like they were wearing the Enterprise uniforms, whoever that oh, okay. was out there. Yeah, and it looks like Trip for a second. Like one of them almost looked like Trip. Yeah, and so I thought, okay, that's not right. Like maybe he's just imagining things. So mm. I had that kind of from the beginning that they mm. they're, they're they may be hallucinating. See, that's where I got the whole. Well, maybe the bug bit him and it duplicated him. Like the bug shape shifted into him. Oh, okay. So that that's kind of where my mind went. Yeah, the shape-shifting thing. So I was thinking, well, if it's not hallucinations, maybe there's, this is a planet of shapeshifters, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting, too. So yeah, it wasn't... I didn't know for sure, though, until um, Trip started getting really upset in the cave, and I thought, okay, no, he's being affected. They're all being affected by something Yeah, uh, at that point, uh, because that's not, that's not normal behavior. And so I thought there's something in the air effect because he was acting drunk. Yeah. Almost. I also thought it was interesting to just in the background, Cutler was quickly deteriorating. You get the one brief moment of Travis asking her if she's okay. And she's like, yeah, never better or whatever she said. And then the next time you see her, she's all sweaty and like really clammy and out of it. And then from then on, she's basically just passed out. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a neat thing to have that be in the background to kind of show a little bit of, okay, here here's a physical clue that something is going on. Yeah, and Travis wasn't that much better. So those no. two those two had a very different reaction um, to it than Trip did. I also thought it was really interesting watching T'Pol handle the whole situation. Mm. She was that calm, cool, collected Vulcan, except for that one little outburst that she did. Yeah. But you could tell like she was really trying to keep it together and be the calm, rational one. Of course, I guess Vulcans aren't as quickly affected by the the pollen as the humans were. But Mm. again, it was just a nice little contrast watching her try and stay... um, as much in charge of the situation as possible yeah. versus Trip, who was falling apart. <laughs> so Yeah. Showing some of the value of the the Vulcan um self-control, whereas Trip has been shown to not be have much self-control at all. Um and so that makes that wide gap there. I also thought it was neat to have that explanation where um, to Paul lapses into to speaking Vulcan, and Archer says, "Now think think of it like someone dealing with dementia. You know they'll often revert to you know if they speak two languages, they'll revert to their na- native tongue, um, just because that's that's easier." Uh, so I thought that was a cool explanation. I did like yeah, I did like the um, 
the whole Vulcan, like her talking to Vulcan and stuff. Although the the thing I didn't understand was why did towards the end when when they're trying to kind of trick Trip mm-hmm. into thinking this is a whole big setup. Uh, he says that they have to tell her in Vulcan, you know, to talk to these aliens. Yes. I didn't understand why he... I mean, obviously they were trying to still communicate and keep things secret from Trip. Mm-hmm. But I guess if I was in Trip's situation, that wouldn't make sense to me because she can speak English. So I don't know why they didn't just tell her in English to talk to the aliens, <laughs> you know? Um, um, yeah. I think they were implying that because she had reverted to Vulcan that maybe she wasn't necessarily understanding the English. Um, So in order to get her to understand the situation, they had to resort to speaking Vulcan. Um, But I I thought it was very interesting there. We we get to see more of of Hoshi speaking other languages and... um, but when she speaks to T'Pol, I don't know if Vulcan is just a very, very concise language, but she says like two sentences and I'm assuming sums up everything that they had just been talking about for the last five minutes. I don't know, maybe it sounded like they told her just, just to play along with what yeah. they were going with. So. Yeah, because uh, she kind of responded that way. So maybe they didn't try to communicate all of that. And yeah, I no, I guess uh, now that I think about it, yeah, they they probably weren't actually communicating the whole thing. But you know, like you were saying, if you were in in Trip's shoes, you wouldn't necessarily let them uh, speak to her in Vulcan. But um, you know, he would then have to be assuming that okay. You, you just told me that you have to explain the situation to her in Vulcan, and I just heard two sentences. Yeah. Well, there are some languages out there that are less efficient than, than others. I actually don't think I've ever heard Vulcan before. I think yeah, this is I, my first time hearing it. I think that we there was some Vulcan spoken during the... Um, the ceremony in Star Trek five, but I don't believe it was, you know, full sentences like that. Um, so I thought that was really cool. So I wonder if they made up the language for just for the show kind of, mm. or if we'll be hearing more of it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I imagine we will hear more of it. Um, I, I, I kind of hope we do. I, I like that aspect of this show where, they don't have the super efficient universal translator and it's just assumed that, oh yeah, just just assume everyone's speaking in their own language and you're just hearing English. Yeah. Speaking of tech that they don't have, when did they get a transporter? Um, I'm trying to remember. I see, I'm, I think I'm, I'm overlapping one of the newer movies with, with Enterprise because... Uh, I want to say that they had a transporter, but it was only for cargo, um, you know, or emergencies. Right. I, well, I thought it was just like a cargo transporter that they were testing out. Um, I didn't think it was set up to beam, you know, beam humans and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, this, I guess this was like a get that galaxy quest situation where they were, (laughs) They had to beam them off, but they weren't sure they were going to be able to do it because it wasn't yeah. like, calibrated right or whatever. Um, I was just uh, shocked, though, when they did that because I thought that they weren't able to do that with people yet. Yeah. Yeah. It it may have been the sort of thing where, okay, we'll have this as a backup last choice uh, and then ended up having to use it. So, um, yeah, very very much like the Galaxy Quest situation. Well, because, you know, transporting people is way more complicated than, a, you know, a box. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the reason I say I might be getting that confused with one of the movies is um, in Star Trek Beyond, they have a situation where there's an older ship and it has a transporter, but it was just intended for cargo. And then they, they end up having to use it for people. So um, that situation does happen. Well, I think in Broken Bow, they mentioned that. 
Okay. But they did mention, I don't remember them mentioning anything about using it for people. It seemed like it was just maybe in the experimental stages with people or something like that. It sounded like it was in the experimental stages for cargo, Hmm. actually, because they, they were very hesitant to use it and so forth. So I don't know. I I guess part of me is a little disappointed because I didn't think that they were going to use it for people in this and that they were going to have to do the shuttle thing. And I kind of wanted to see them do that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, maybe they, they, maybe they won't use a transporter on people very much. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just was really surprised when I saw it. I kind of disappointed when I saw it too, because I thought that they weren't at that technology stage yet. And I was interested in seeing them you know, get to that point slowly instead of already mm. being there, I guess. So. Yeah. Maybe it'll stay something that they only use in emergencies. Yeah. I have to say though, that the CGI in this was a little distracting. Yeah. It wasn't quite up to par <laughs> with what we're used to <laughs> now. I guess I can't remember what looked good back in 2002, but mm. it looks almost cartoonish in this to me yeah particularly the the shuttlecraft landing uh, but also a little bit um at the end when cutler goes to the mouth of the the cave and looks out and uh, oh yeah yeah superimposing that image i guess we we had the same kind of image when uh, um novakovich was standing in the field of flowers with the mountain in the background and stuff too Right, exactly. It looks very fake. Of course, you know, the matte paintings that they used to use on TNG and DS9 and Voyager, probably. Actually, I don't know if they use matte paintings on Voyager, because they use a lot of CGI there. I think it was mainly CGI. Yeah. I mean, you can tell, obviously, that they're matte paintings and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was 2002, I guess, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, for for the the time that it was made, that was really good. I'm all, I was just really interested where they filmed this too, because it, like I said, I used to live in Malibu Canyon mm. in California, and it looks like that's where they were. But I mean, there Southern California is really big, and there could be lots of different places they were. But oh yeah, the Malibu there's a state park, Malibu Canyon State Park, which is like half a mile from where I used to live. And they would have filming happening there all the time. Like I would drive down the road almost every day and and every once in a while there would be one of those arrow signs that I told you about before Mm -hmm. saying, you know, like this way to the production. They have the name of the fake name of the production and so forth. That happened a lot in that area. And and I know that there are like waterfalls and streams and the mountains looked about right for, for where they were. But yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to look up the shooting locations and see if I can figure out where they were. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat that you have that context and, and you can give us a little bit of that background. It's neat, but at the same time, it takes me out of the episode, too, because mm. before I lived in California, that didn't look like anything to me. It just looked like random mountains, you yeah. know, because I wasn't familiar with the area. But now that I've lived there for a while... You know, immediately I'm like, oh, that's, that's, uh, I, I pretty much know is where they are generally, <laughs> you know, where they're filming, you know, I've lived there. Uh, but that doesn't really make me enjoy the episode less because I did enjoy it. So, yeah. Uh, one thing though, did you catch a line when they were, when they were exploring the planet for the first time? Mm-hmm. They had Porthos with them, the, the guys did, and they approached that stream. Okay. And Travis said something, Trip called him, he said something like he called him a boomer. Yeah. Um, I seem to remember that that's a, a term they came up with for someone who was born or spent most of their life on a ship. And I forget where what the origin of it was, but I think that's what he was referring to. Okay, because it has a very different context now, yeah. you know, with the whole OK Boomer meme exactly. going on around, <laughs> so that just stuck out to me. I was like, okay, that's weird. 
Yeah, I didn't think of it until you brought it up just now. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, that is a different thing now. <laughs> I had a feeling maybe that in the Enterprise context, it has something to do with his upbringing. But yeah, well, and because they, you know, he was talking about, you know, I can't call something home unless it has two nacelles on it or something like that. So mm -hmm. and the last thing I'll mention that I, I noticed in, in the last episode as well, but I forgot to talk about it was the ending credits when mm -hmm. they roll the end credits the music is different from the theme song yeah and i thought that that was kind of odd because all of the other star treks that i'm aware of uses the theme song for the end credits am i wrong about that do do, do uh, ds9 and voyager do that um they do now i wonder if that's just purely because they didn't want to use um, the, the song with lyrics in it for the end credits. And so they used a, an instrumental piece that had a similar feel to the, uh, the opening uh, sequence. Kind of wish they just used that music <laughs> from the end credits for the theme song. I don't yeah, know. I think a lot of I just don't know. I I prefer the instrumental music when it comes to Star Trek. Yeah, I get where they were going with it because the song does make sense for what the the opening sequence is portraying. But yeah, I I'm just more a fan of instrumental mo movie music and and TV music. So that would have been my preference. I think that's one of the major complaints of Enterprise is the, is the theme song. And I heard, though, that late in later seasons, they made, they made some adjustments to the hmm. music. I guess we'll find out. But yeah. there's something something about the music changed, hmm. I think, in later seasons. So Yeah. Well, we have been rejoined by Ty. So he's, Hi, Ty. he's come around just to say uh, say his closing thoughts. <laughs> yeah ty did you enjoy the episode okay man a few words yeah <laughs> did he watch it with you some of it um but not the whole thing yeah yeah well i guess our closing thoughts are we enjoy the episode and look forward to more enterprise yeah for sure it'd be interesting to find out what megan thought about this yeah yeah i know i'm, I'm missing that extra opinion <laughs> I don't know. Megan, if you're listening, let us know what you think about uh, Strange New World. Well, with that, I guess we will um, wrap up the discussion and we want to hear from you. What is your favorite thing to do around a campfire? If you've ever been out camping and you've sat around the campfire with your friends or your family, what are the kinds of things that you guys do? What do you enjoy doing? Whether it's... Um, they're roasting marshmallows, making s'mores, telling ghost stories like we saw in this episode, or, uh, you know, singing songs, or if it's, is it something else? Uh, we'd like to hear from you guys. Yes. So you guys can uh, write in to us on your favorite social media platform. Uh, we have our Twitter, which is at Triples Podcast. Over on Instagram, we are Triples and Transporters Podcast. And then we have the Facebook page for Tribbles and Transporters. And of course, we always have our Gmail, which is tribblesandtransporters at gmail.com. And the links are in the description of the episode. So take a look there and you can get to all of that stuff really quickly. For our next episode, we are going to be doing more of like a topic. That's going to kind of be our um, MO here, where we go from... TOS through Enterprise and then we'll swing back around to a topic and then kind of start the cycle all over again just to kind of break things up a little bit and the topic we're going to be discussing is our favorite two-parter episodes so I chose my favorite two-parter Erin chose hers this is before Megan joined our podcast so it's just going to be again the OG crew sorry <laughs> uh, hopefully Megan will be back as you know shortly with us whenever she gets unpacked she'll yeah. be back should we reveal what they are or should we just you know mm. leave the suspense for next week 
I think we should leave the suspense, although um, people can probably guess the source material just based on our previously mentioned preferences. Of course. Uh, mine is <laughs> going to be from uh, Voyager, and mm -hmm. Aaron's is going to be from DS9. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Megan's would be. Probably something from Deep Space Nine, I would guess, but uh, we'll have to ask her. Yeah, we'll have to ask and let you guys know as well next time. Mm -hmm. So that will do it. Thanks once again for uh, listening, and I guess we'll see you next time. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.